Awesome. Hey guys. Hi. Hey. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the table. You've already got the welcome. Uh, my name is Alex Sheets. Uh, I'm I'm one of the campus ministers here, uh, guys. It, I am so excited. Got this little feedback. I'm gonna turn that down a little bit. So excited to get the chance to meet you. Um, so excited for tonight, guys. Tonight we have a very special topic in our text. Tonight we are talking about spirituality. Spirituality, yeah, yeah, woo, woo, fun, fun. Spirituality, it's, 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 a, it's a special one, it's a fun one. Um, everyone, everyone remembers their, their, fu- their first run-in with spirituality of some sense. Usually it's in, it's in the movies. Um, usually, sometimes, some of us, it's a scary movie. I don't know who likes scary movies in here. I am not one of you, okay? I'm a wuss. My psycho grandma... From a very young age, I'm, I don't even know if this is a scary movie to you guys, made me watch Ghostbusters. Okay? I was actually kind of scared you didn't know that movie. Um, it made me watch Ghostbusters. I still get scared opening the refrigerator door every now and then. Okay? I don't like scary movies. Anything with that, ooh, that ghost, that spiritual realm, I don't like. It freaks me out. And our culture just loves this. You guys love this. There's some, some of you out there are those American horror story weirdos. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say, if that's you, you guys are strange to me. Freaks me out. Okay? All kinds of scary spiritual stuff on the movie screens. I'm more of the fun stuff. Growing up on Nickelodeon, I was a Danny Phantom guy. Any, yeah. any Danny Phantom? Yes. That was my show. I wanted to be Danny Phantom. Season three was a little weak, if I can be honest. But Danny Phantom, that was my stuff. Our culture is just full of this. Um, we, got, we got monks. We got Doctor Strange. We got people punching people in their astral form. It was a weird word, too. I'm not going to say it again. It's just all over the place, all in our culture. Culture loves it, except we don't want to talk about it. We like it on the the TV screens, we like it on the movie screens, but we don't like to talk about it in real life. So let's just have an invitation. Let's be real tonight. Let's talk about it in some way. What is spirituality? What is spirit? Some of you are like, dude, dude, Alec, okay, I know what spirit is. I know what spirit is. Obviously, it's my Patronus. Pottermore told me so. Okay, get off the stage, dude. Yeah. What is spirit? What is spirit? The biblical answer to that, what is spirit? You are. You are. Did you know that? Did you know that you are a spirit? The Bible says, like the third chapter, the very beginning, that you are this hybrid. You are this amphibian. You're, you're a frog. Okay? You're this, this blending of heaven and earth coming together. The meeting of two worlds. The story goes that God took the dust and the breath of God to make mankind. Calls them children of God. Says that you're a little bit higher than the animals, a little bit lower than the angels for a time. What does that mean? I'm not really sure. But that's what he calls you. A very dignified view of humanity. 
you are a spiritual being. And if you weren't, where do these desires come from that just don't seem to be fulfilled, no matter what we do? No matter what we try to seek, no matter what we try to fill ourselves with, there's just something in us that's like longs for more. What do you do with those? The Bible says that you, being a spiritual being, were made for spiritual fulfillment. You were made to be fulfilled by the very presence of God. And if you weren't a spiritual being, what do you do with these thoughts that some of us, if we let ourselves think there, that when we think about the end of life, we can't help but have this idea that the end is not the end, that I was made for something more, that there's something, there's a next step, that the end is not the unplugging of the PS4 and game over. The Bible says that you were made for the eternal kingdom of God as a spiritual being. And if you weren't a spiritual being, why? Why do we look around at everything else in life? I, I love animals. I love trees. Love it all. But when we look at each other, when I look at my brothers and sisters, when I look at children, it just seems like there's something qualitatively different. Not quantitatively different. Not just this, this mind that's been like charged up, this supercomputer, this brain on a stick. No, there, there's something qualitatively different about mankind. And when that's not the case, when mankind is treated as qualitatively equal to animals or less than they should be, we call that injustice. We call that wicked. Where do these ideas come from if we weren't spiritual beings? Scientists and philosophers disagree with me for the most part. I won't lie to you. But they still don't know what to do with the mind. They still don't know what to do with the neurological, physiological, chemical, the connections. Like, what is this? What is personhood? We, people, refuse to give one-sided answers. Maybe that's because... We're two-sided beings. You are a spiritual being according to the word of the Lord. And I've got to admit, I've got to admit that I have always been a rather bad one. My mom was a great, really spiritual person growing up, okay? All about prayer, all about scripture, whatever you think of when you think of a spiritual person. It's kind of abstract, I won't lie to you. Um... She was that. She was all that in a bag of chips, as the phrase goes. I wasn't. You would just find me passed out at different places in, in the house. Oh, what's Alec doing? Oh, he's, he was trying to pray again. He fell asleep. Okay? <laughs> I swear, if prayer was a phone call, I have prank called God so many times. <laughs> he's like, who is this? Stop calling this number. I'm not a very good spiritual being, but we are a spiritual, we are spiritual beings. And all those questions, all those questions, I believe, could be summed up in one verse, Ecclesiastes 3.11. The phrase goes like this, God has put eternity into our hearts, and yet we can't grasp it.
We are spiritual beings. And in order to keep this from being a little too abstract, because spirituality is a little bit abstract, I'm going to just talk about spirituality like I'm using this, this metaphor. It's a cup. I'm scared to go a little too far this way because I'm going to get feedback. Okay. I'm going to go this way. Okay. When I'm talking spirituality tonight, when I'm talking about us, when I'm talking about us, we are, this is us, spiritual beings. We're physical people. We're, this is us living in, in this world, and yet we were made to be filled, filled with something more, something transcendent, something that's beyond us. This is us. We are spiritual beings. The question for tonight is what goes in this cup? What goes in this cup? Turn to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 through 16. And then we will get started. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 through 16. I'll give you some time to turn there. Some of you are studs and you're already there. Paul says this in 2, 6 through 16. Actually, just a recap of last sermon. Just remind you, straight off of last week, Drew gave this amazing sermon. Seriously, go look it up. It was amazing. He was talking about God. The message of God is foolishness. It is sounds so stupid to those who aren't being worked on in the Spirit. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. His phrase that he used, he said this. He said, we sound like jackasses. That's Drew Moss. If Drew gets to say that, and I'm the young edgy guy, we're in for a treat tonight. Okay? But that's the message that God gave. He said the message of the gospel, that God himself died. That God himself, the sovereign Lord that no one has seen, came in our place and died sounds stupid. And I think a lot of us can say amen to that. Paul is picking up right off of where he said, although our message is foolishness, verse 6, we do, however, speak a, a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's wisdom hidden in a mystery, it's a fun phrase. A wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What's going on in that phrase? This is some, this is fun stuff. Uh, like wisdom hidden in a mystery? A message, a message of wisdom spoken to the mature? Is this like something that like, like if as you ascend the level of spirituality, if if you got like a like a full cup, then you can get un, achievement unlocked, more spiritual message coming your way. No, just heading that off right right now. That's actually called Gnosticism. That's not called Christianity. That's one of the first things Christianity had to face growing uh, growing up <laughs> as it as it grew up in early in third century A.D. Um, instead of Instead of spirituality, your spirituality growing higher and higher and higher and locking these spiritual truths, Paul is speaking of the gospel and the mystery of God like an ocean. Okay, that everyone is in, and the more you grow roots in it, 
the deeper and deeper it goes. It's unfathomable depths. And the reason I believe that is if you look at verse, chapter 3, verse 1, he calls them, he says, there's a wisdom of mature, a wisdom of the mature here. In 3.1 he says, and that wasn't you. I had to speak to you guys like you're babies in Christ. He calls them babies. And what he says is like, you guys were so wrapped up in things of the world that you couldn't even hear the message. And then Paul, the other reason why I believe that it's a deeper thing, not an ascending ladder of spirituality, is actually the verse before says, actually one thirty. It said, it is from Him that you were in Christ Jesus who became our wisdom. Christ, he's already said what the wisdom hidden in God is. Christ Jesus, the gospel. Hidden in a mystery. Verse 9. But as it is written, some people couldn't understand. No one has seen God. No one has known the mind of, the God, mind of God. Verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, what entered into the mind slash heart of no man, God has prepared these things for those who love Him. Now God has revealed these things for us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now I'm going to explain this first. This actually is, is, is pretty simple. The next verse is going to offend us. I'm, I'm going to just prepare you right now. The next verse is going to offend us. We don't think next verse very well. This verse is very simple. He's saying... I'm not a mind reader. Okay, we're not Professor X. I don't get to know what's going on. You know X-Men, okay, good. You know Ghostbusters. Okay, I, I, I don't know what's going on in someone's mind. In the same way that I don't know what's going on in their mind and spirit, we definitely don't know what's going on in God's mind unless He Himself acts first and reveals it in us. And then... Verse 12, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the spirit does not receive what comes from God's spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. I'm going to explain that in a second. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What did Paul just say? And what is so offensive to our context? You see, you, you, we, Americans, Westerners, have an assumption when it comes to understanding life. Okay, it goes like this. When you go to algebra class, maybe algebra, I don't know what you guys struggle with. I, I don't like math, so I'm just going to say algebra. Keep it low tier for me. When you go to algebra class, you have the assumption that if you just work really hard and you just sit back and listen, 
whatever the professor's throwing, I can, I, I can, I can receive it. I, I'm, getting, I'm getting everything he's getting. Calc 3, that's the mysteries of God, okay? Okay, you guys are in the, the midst of that, so maybe I should have said Calc 3. We have this assumption, if we just dwell on it long enough, we can figure it out. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that you, we, cannot figure out God's plan by ourselves. That it is the Spirit working in us to even get to the terms where I can say, this sounds like something that I could even like. This sounds like something that doesn't sound like total bullcrap. And we don't like that. If, so, if a professor said that to you, you would say, rate my professor, zero. You're a bad professor. And yet Paul unashamedly says that. Why does he say that? Why does he feel the need to tell us that spirituality, that God has to prepare us to even understand who he is? Because Christianity unreservedly says God works first. It is by grace that He is saving us, even giving us the chance to be here. And I know, I don't don't even know how you're hearing this. I don't know how you're hearing this. But I want to say this. If you are even here tonight, and you haven't already tuned me out, and started focusing on whatever is next in life, Paul would say, that is a sign that the Spirit is calling you working in you that you could understand Him. Reflect on that later. What? The summary. God is revealing the mystery of the Gospel through His Spirit. That is the text. So, coming back to our question, what goes into this cup? What you say really matters. You have people telling you all kinds of things. I don't know if you know this. Spirituality is all over the place in our culture. Okay? You got people on this side. You got people on this side that tell you, Dude, it doesn't matter. Throw what you want in there. Get it. Get, get what you get, need to get in your cup. Fill it up. The cup is made to be filled, brother. This is college. This is college. Live it up. If you're not filling your cup up with whatever fills you up, then you're not living the life that you were made to be living. That is what New Age spiritualities teach us. Tell you. You know what this reminds me of? This is the image that I was thinking of as we were, as we were preparing. This reminds me of uh, that one kid um, that we were all this one kid, most of us, um, us growing up. At Subway, going up to the soda fountain, sorry Oklahomans, pop machine, okay? And you go, that one kid, that one kid goes up, to, uh, goes up to Pepsi, and then goes over to Mountain Dew, you know? And then goes over to Orange Fanta, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He just wants it all, whatever, whatever fits it up. You guys remember what that's called? You guys remember what that's called? Suicide. 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 New Age spiritualities would have us creating a spiritual suicide. Is there no 
cost to what you put in this cup. What you do with this matters. And it matters deeply. Other people reject this entirely. They say, no, dude, that's stupid. Don't even listen to these guys. They're dumb. In fact, you shouldn't even fill your cup at all. Look at that. Praise God. You shouldn't fill your cup at all. In fact, the idea of life is detachment. Both, not just the bad, of the good as well. Everything in life is just an illusion. Just, just empty it and just, just phase out. Okay, just the good and the bad. Just let it all go. Apathy is your friend. Life is something to be escaped from. This is some of the, the philosophies that things like Buddhism and Stoicism would teach you. The question that I have for them is when did life become something we were saved from? If you saw a drowning man, wouldn't you want to pull him out of the water and not push him under? What you do with this cup matters, and it matters deeply. My question for us for the second half of tonight is what does the Spirit of God say if we let the Spirit of God define our spirituality, what kind of people would we become? We're going to return to that on the second part. But feel free to take a, a 10 minute break. And I don't know if we have anything for you, but have fun in that window. Yes. Try going to Bible college. <laughs> like, you have 18 year olds coming out of high school trying to be the next up-and-coming worship leader, okay? Wearing their super trendy clothes, you know. Waking up early in the morning, watching the sunrise. <laughs> listening to Hillsong United. Yeah, oh, these are great things, Alec. Why are you saying these things? It was always in front of the girls' dorm. <laughs> you know? Like, really impressed with your spirituality, brother. God told me you should give me your number. Like, what the heck? Is there spiritual tools now, too? Like, what is this? I wasn't the spiritual guy. I wasn't the spiritual guy. I own that. And yet, I believed this stuff. I believed the stuff that I was telling you. And I treated spirituality... Uh, my metaphor that I used in prayer was, like, I, I, I used, was chess. I treated spirituality like chess. I said, God... I'm okay with calling the spirituality, but you got to checkmate me into it because I don't, I don't want to talk about this stuff because there's a lot of weird and immature crap with those guys over there. I, I don't want that. Um, and I got to say, that is probably part of what Paul is talking about when he's talking about <laughs> that's immature. That's immature. And that's a little bit of the, the wisdom of the world speaking that Paul's speaking against. And Paul says, that we have a message of wisdom to the mature. And he says that you, your cup, is made to be filled by the very Spirit of God. You, a spiritual being, are made to be filled by God Himself. Romans 5 Five says this, and hope 
does not put us to shame because the love of God is poured into our hearts. The love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. That is spirituality. God pouring Himself out into you. Paul said it tonight. Verse 12, What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Spiritual people. Spiritual people are Spirit-filled people. That is the definition. That is spirituality. Spiritual people are Spirit-filled people. And they filled with Him in all areas until it overflows into all areas of life and just spills over. God fills you up and you pour out in gratitude, in humility, in honor, in love, in service. That is what true spirituality looks like. That is what God is trying to get us to do. And then He fills us up again and then we pour ourselves out again. That is what God made us. That is true spirituality. And my problem, at least in Bible college, when I'm seeing all these guys and seeing seeing spirituality done wrong and even doing it wrong myself, is I had an assumption. I assumed that I knew what this process looked like. That I knew what it was to be filled with God and what it was to not be. And when it didn't line up for me, and it didn't line up for me in a long, for a long time, for three years it didn't line up, at Bible college of all places, I was angry. Like, like God, I thought, I thought the goal was for me to like, like pour myself out and then you're always there just ready. You're just dumping it in. And when it's not that way, like, are you doing your end of the bargain, God? Like, I'm loving people. Why am I not feeling loved? I was angry. I was angry. I thought that spirituality, to be spirit-filled, would mean that every time there's a worship song, I'd just be swept away. The butterflies in my heart would just, just take me there. I just, I just long for it. I thought I'd just wake up and just want to treat people like I knew they deserved. And I'd want to, to humble myself and just fit in like I, I believe Christ, like honors Christ. Like I'd be able to be joyful at all times. I'd always wake up on the right side of bed. If I'm being honest, that's what I thought spirituality meant. I thought I'd wake up on the right side of the bed always. No matter what scenario is going on, okay, exams are there. I'm staying up till 3 a.m. in the morning. Okay, life's tough. My friendships are hard, but I'm okay. You know, the Spirit of God is is filling me. I'm okay. You know, like, praise God. I'm full. And that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. Sometimes in life, your cup feels empty for a long time. And you're just like, like God, I got nothing left to give. I got nothing. I'm, so, I'm tempted to go somewhere else. Who's, 
Who's going to fill my cup up, Lord? Spare some spirit. Spare some spirit. I had to get that in somewhere. Sometimes our cup feels empty. And listen to me, brothers and sisters, that when you're rooted on Christ, when you're rooted in the gospel as God defines spirituality, that is still the spirit-filled life. How? Because we don't measure this by how we feel. If I could be honest to you, in that time of of hard time for me, Bible college was a hard time when I didn't feel much of this very much. If I could be honest to you, my spirituality was very self-centered. I would serve God as long as, as long as He was fulfilling His end of the bargain. I would love people in the name of Christ for the glory of people, but if He stopped this, we're going to have problems. My spirituality is self-centered, and I was basing out my feelings, and that's not what Paul is here to tell us. Paul is unashamed, telling us that God is filling our hearts. Yes, sometimes our cup overflows. Sometimes we're like, Lord, stop. Stop it, Lord. Please, no, no more. What that means typically is that the girl you like or the guy you like, like, texted you back. I know how you work. I know your ways. I know your ways. Lord, stop. No, please, stop. Sometimes the spirit-filled life, sometimes it overflows. And sometimes it doesn't. And that is still spiritual. That is still part of God's plan because you are transcending mere selfishness. You are learning what it means to actually serve God when the good things are hard. You're growing up. Would an oak tree give up in the winter? If we don't grow, we're in danger of becoming tumbleweeds moving around, hoping to find the next spot, praying to God that someone will fill it. Someone, please, for the love of God, fill me up. That's not what God wanted to find, our spirituality. Our spirituality is anchored in something that transcends us. It transcends feelings. And it's anchored in Him. And it's anchored in His gospel. Spiritual people are gospel people, come what may. Come what may. You get this all the days of your life. Praise, praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Teach me your methods. I don't. When times of dryness come, that's when you learn faith. A spirituality that does not lead you through dark and hard times is not spirituality. It's self-centeredness. It's us seeking to be whatever we define, what we want. That's not God, what God made us to be. Spiritual people are gospel people. There isn't a greater secret 
As Paul said, there's nothing more, there's nothing hidden out there. There's no five-step plan that if you just do this, if you just fast enough, you'll climb yourself up enough to where you're just on the mountaintop at all times. Everyone in the Bible went through dry times. Jesus Christ himself, the second member of the Trinity, had his dark moments. Everyone did. Job, David, Moses, Elijah. Go read it. There's no secret, there's no five-step plan, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that spirituality is anchored in that. And you've got to do two things, Christians and non-Christians alike. You have to, every day, and here's my time where I'm going to cuss at you, submit to it. I just said one of the greatest things, one of the most offensive things that Americans could hear. No one tells me what to do with anything. I will give as much as I choose. I will do it on my terms. It's my life. I will submit as much as I want, and usually that means I'll submit to no one. Really? Not even to God Almighty, who submitted to death and shame for you. He's calling you into a relationship with Him, but you've got to submit to His gospel, Christian and non-Christian alike. That is the spiritual life. Whether you feel it or not, <coughs> the second thing that you have to do, and this is a hard one, you have to return to this spot every day. And you don't leave this spot. You don't go to other spots like it's a faucet. Sometimes it's on blast. Sometimes life's good and you're singing Hosanna, skipping down the street. <laughs> and sometimes it seems very few and far between. But you know where it comes from. You know that on God's terms, He will fill you. And when He doesn't fill you, praise God anyway. Because that is the Spirit-filled life. Spiritual people are gospel people. And all of this, all of this is meant to make you humble and loving and respectful and serving, associating with anyone, not on your terms, not choosing what parts you want to give and not, all of this is meant to make you look like Jesus Christ because His spirituality looked different than anyone else in history. Spiritual people are gospel people and that will turn you in. That will make you look like Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, it really is an honor to come up here and talk about spirituality. You have watched me through dark times. I have said shameful things to you. And I have, you have grown me through some immature and weak moments. Lord, praise you for working in me to bring me to a place where I can speak what I believe to these guys. And God, praise you for you working in them. 
I ask you that in good times and bad, whether feelings or not, that you would root them in the gospel, that you would root them in you, Jesus, that you would fill their cup so much and make it overflow. And whether they, whether they believe it, whether they feel it or not, that they could see the fruit evidenced in their life. God, I pray that you would do this for their good and for your glory. We love you, Jesus. It's your name I pray. Amen.